everyone. Welcome back to the Long Lost Heroes podcast. I'm one of your co-hosts, Frank, here with my other co-host, AJ. How you doing? Very, very well, Frank. Thank you so much. How are you? I'm great. Uh, it's an evening podcast. It means I got a whiskey with me. Um, yeah. Which is exciting. But this is also episode 150 of the Long Lost Heroes podcast. It's kind of like a half so birthday, awesome. you know, like we're sort of celebrating it. You know, you, you'll go out to dinner, but like you're not going to get presents. <laughs> Definitely not. And, you know, you can get, you know, a good entree, but we're not getting dessert. We're leaving. <laughs> we're gonna go home. We have cake at home. We'll, we'll figure it out. But like, um, yeah, man. We're gonna. It's, it's nice to hit a big number again. It's it's always fun. It, and I feel like we just hit a big number, so you know, two hundred maybe will be right around the corner, or maybe we'll never get there. Never know. <laughs> um, that that's that is true. That is true. We'll be. <laughs> we'll we'll get to one ninety eight um, and just like burn out. Uh, but no. this is going to be a fun one. Uh, we are talking about an MCU movie from almost ten years ago, uh, Captain America: The First Avenger. You've clicked on the link, so you know what you're here for. Uh, this movie has been out for a while. And hopefully, if you're a big fan of the MCU, you know this film and have experienced it before. But we felt like in the context of watching The Falcon and the Winter Soldier, it would be great to go back to this. And we're going to also lead into the rest of the Captain America films and probably the rest of the MCU that we haven't uh, covered on the podcast. Yeah, I think this is a really fun one to start with, you know, especially um, looking at the material that we were also looking at uh, this week with Falcon and the Winter Soldier. Um, you know, I think history is kind to this movie in an interesting way because um, it does have some problems. Uh, but overall, I think this is like definitely a lot of people's entry into the MCU and and definitely a fun you know, uh, appetizer, a, a really fun, delicious, uh, you know, and, and, and substantial, you know, past hors d'oeuvres here. I'm talking lollipop lamb chops here <laughs> before you get to the main course of Avengers. Like, I think this is a very nice gateway into that. It is. And, um, and, and you know, it, because it's also the first movie chronologically, it, it also is, is a great play. And I think I've done it that <laughs> how many times have I rewatched the MCU? I can't even tell you anymore, but I've definitely started with this one. Um, and so it kind of feels like we're doing that here. It, uh, yeah, it's hard because, you know, everyone thinks so much about, uh, Tony Stark and, and Robert Downey Jr. as the way to kick things off. But this is, uh, certainly another way to do it. And it, it really does set up a lot, a lot of what happens in the next film, um, you know, this is the end of phase one, pretty much. That's true. And and you really have culminated a lot, you know, up until this point, you know, at, right before the year before um, you would have had, you know, the, the pop up of Cap's shield uh, in Iron Man 2. Nobody would have understood really what that was. Um, you know, it wasn't a completed model. Right. So, like, mm -hmm. uh, I don't know. I think that this uh, I'm glad that this movie exists. I think it's a really interesting way um, for kids I think to kind of jump in and learn a little bit about world war two. I do think that this movie kind of does, you know, and we don't have to spend a ton of time on this. Like it's interesting to me that very early on, um, in the plot, uh, you have Schmidt kill the Nazi guys and kind of take over as this new, mm -hmm. uh, Hitler figure that becomes really caps main antagonist in this movie. 
Um, and then we, and then Cap's gone, right? He's not fighting Hitler after that point, or hadn't been fighting really Hitler very much at all. No, I mean, <laughs> um, he, he punches fake Hitler a bunch of times. You know, so um, I do think that, like, uh, this movie does sanitize World War II a little bit and maybe takes out a little bit of the grittiness uh, mm-hmm. of what was actually going on, i.e. the Holocaust and everything else that was going on, what's going on in the Pacific theater. There's a lot of other stuff that's left out. Having said that, if you have an, you know, an, an eight or a 10 year old kid and they're watching the MCU, I get, you know, kind of this being a very good jumping off point for people to dig further down deep into it. Yeah. You get, Um, and you get it. It's like, they, they were Nazis. He's German. He's evil, blah, blah, blah. Like it's, you feel it, but yeah, no, by no means is it, uh, historically accurate. It's very much a historical, uh, like alternate universe really of, of the way things went. And, um, yeah, yeah. totally. And, and, you know, the world that we see in, you know, 1940s Brooklyn is not, you know, it, you know, our universe, like it's whatever's going on in the MCU. You know, Howard Stark is already this, uh, Howard Hughes like figure, He's fucking making cars float. He's he's doing all sorts of crazy shit. Mm-hmm. So, um, yeah, I have a confession. <laughs> yes, uh, I I can't say with complete and total confidence, but I I'm fairly certain that the first MCU movie I saw in theaters was the Avengers, and so I'm pretty sure all of these were like, you know, at home on Netflix. Red box, whatever. We just didn't know how big it was going to be. Uh, like at the time, I, it's like, okay, 2008. Yeah. Thinking about like, I definitely saw Dark Knight in theaters, but did I see Iron Man? I don't know. Like, I, I know for a fact this one I didn't see in theaters. Do you remember if you did? I can't, rem- I can't remember going, but I'm pretty sure that we did because I know I saw thor earlier that summer because we got drunk at zb's house and then Uh went and then zb fell asleep in the theater like maybe 10 minutes in the movie (laughs) yeah um that's what i don't know i mean it's like this is summer 2011 after we graduated from college like i'm still working a lot this summer um like a lot a lot because i was like i need to make as much money as i can because i don't know if i'm gonna have a job come september Uh, if we did see it in theaters we didn't stay for the full after credit avengers sequence i don't remember that yeah and i'm sure people would really remember that i think my brother was Mm -hmm. like you missed that you didn't stay for the end yeah i i really Um, think that like i i distinctly remember like when i moved to to dc uh like january of 2012 one of the things was like i need to catch up on the mcu the avengers is coming out in like five months and so I'm pretty sure this was one like one of the first ones I watched at home. And um, so I didn't experience it on the big screen, but I've seen it a lot since um, I own it on Blu-ray. You can, you've had the money. It's fine guys. <laughs> yeah. 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 Um, um, yeah. This is a, I would definitely be happy to see this in a theater again. I'm sure that that would be fun with the 3d. I think that would be probably really cool. Yeah. I mean, you have this on the list, 3d effects, uh, it's in there. This is two years after Avatar. All the movies at this. I mean, like, they still are coming out in 3D for sure. But it was just like, we need to do this. How many times can you throw the shield at the screen? <laughs> yeah, it's a lot of throwing the shield at the screen, dude. Um, it can be, I think, a little tiresome. It, 
you know, the 3D effects are great. I think where we got to a good point was when we weren't doing the the tricks anymore, where we weren't throwing the shield at the screen. Yes. Um, Add and the I depth. Think that the, yeah, that part, you know, that doesn't age well. And I think a little, but I also, again, I think that this is, before we do the plot game, uh, this is montage of the movie. I think there's like three or four montages in this movie, depending on how you count them. Mm. Um, yeah. But like... <laughs> <laughs> it's a war movie. A it happens a lot in war movies, I guess. You got to show the passage of time. Like right. But um but it's it's a lot. And, it, and I think that's where whenever you have that, it really it's kind of funny because we just came off of a very montage heavy episode of Falcon and the Winter Soldier. Um Oh, that's true. So, that's uh, true. <laughs> not I planned. forgot about that. <laughs> no. Um, um you know yeah, this one it, it uh, yeah, but we don't need to say anymore. Well, Let's play plot game. Do plot you want to play? Although I guess the last thing we'll say before that is like, I, I don't think this is this is probably the worst of the Captain America movies. Maybe like one could argue between this and maybe Civil War, but uh, you know, I it's this is a movie that's probably middle of the pack of all the MCU, or maybe towards the bottom, but doesn't mean that it's bad. Um, it's certainly one that people don't like put high up in, in, in the, the ranks, but I don't know why. Um, it's just like, it's kind I, of okay. Yeah. I think because this movie has a, a look about it that just, it, and it has a look and feel that this is just, this is all going to work out. This is going to be fine. Don't worry. Well, it, there's. There's never really too many moments in this movie where Cap is in real danger. Well, and that's the thing, right? Like, we know, and th- that was one of the, the hard things about leading to the Avengers. It's like, okay, they all need to survive. <laughs> the stakes are never going to be that high. Uh, but ultimately, we also, this movie is set in as a, f- a flashback sequence, kind of. Like, the movie starts, and you're like, they see the the shield on the ice. Like, that's... I always forget about that. I'm like, wait, did I write, click the right movie? What are we watching? <laughs> <laughs> um, yes, it, the, the, those sequences so just feel so out of place. It just, it's so, mm-hmm. it, it, I don't know. It doesn't necessarily fit, I think, perfectly. I think um, there are parts of it that do, you know, it. Uh, also, why isn't right, it we'll Colson? Why isn't it Colson, right? Like, it, it's like like random guys. It's like not even Shield. <laughs> because Colson at this point is making adventures. I'm sure. <laughs> like yeah. you know, he was like uh, he's uh, a super fan. <laughs> Imagine if he's like I'm the guy that found it. Anyway, uh, let's do the plot game. Uh, you want to take a crack at it? Sure. Red Skull finds the Tesseract on Earth with super smell <laughs> after receiving the super serum. He then makes super weapons. The United States, in an effort to combat the war effort, develops super soldier serum and is successful with Captain Steve Rogers, who goes on to defeat Red Skull. Um, what else you got? <laughs> um, no, that's pretty good. I think that's pretty good. That pretty I think good. that's it. Wait, what about super <laughs> smell? Is that a thing? Well, like, how did he find it? You know what I mean? Like, what got him there? I think it was because he used his superpowers, his super intellect, 
and I think Super Smell is funnier. So he just uh, <laughs> he found you know fucking what's his who's the guy with the cat? Oh, uh, Mr. Filch. Uh, <laughs> yeah, Mr. Filch from Harry Potter and uh, the F- Walder Frey from Game of Thrones. <laughs> Is guarding the goddamn Tesseract. I know. He's the last guy you want guarding the Tesseract. What are you He's doing here? He's a killable here? character. <laughs> uh, yeah. Um, yeah, I mean, it, it. I think ultimately, yeah, the plot of this movie is pretty simple. Again, war movie, which we know the outcome of. Um, so, but it, it's it's a big character movie building uh, because we hadn't seen him before. And so the origin of... Uh, Chris Evans as Steve Rogers is pretty great. Uh, I don't necessarily well, love the CGI effects of mini Steve Rogers. Well, yeah, but <laughs> even I think that's actually going to be okay. I think that holds up cartoony enough to be funny and fun uh-huh. than to look stupid just yet. It, it's still it's still in that valley of the dolls. Like, what is happening here? Like. If you were a little kid, you he's, wouldn't necessarily know, I guess. He's so small, guys. Right. He's, like, he's quite, he's like, quite teeny tiny. You didn't need to make him that mini. He's like five foot tall. Like, just like, oh. yeah, he does grow. He does grow significantly in many different ways. <laughs> um, fucking. Okay. Uh, let's talk about Chris Evans for a minute. Um, I think, you know, so coming into this movie, we had known Chris Evans previously in uh, movies like. Um, not, not another, another team movie. movie, and that he was also Johnny Storm in the first two Fox Fantastic Four movies. Wow, Human Torch. Yeah. Uh, wow. And and the second movie came out in two thousand seven. This is two thousand eleven. It's really not that far apart. No, it's really not. It took and a lot it, of convincing to get him, didn't it? I, I think it really did. I think it was a matter of. Robert Downey Jr. really believing in Favreau and Feige and being like, dude, we need you and that you can do this. And it's also interesting because everything we know about Chris Evans, like he's even in the news today about like responding to Lizzo, like everything you know about Chris Evans, the actor is he's this funny, silly, very cool guy, the opposite of Steve Rogers. (laughs) You know, yeah, but he's also like a great humanitarian and like he does a lot of really good stuff. And like uh, in his serious life, but like in his earlier work, he's super funny and silly whenever he's done like comedy or other kind of podcasting stuff. Like he always plays this more affable, funny, kind of crazy guy. He seems it's like he doesn't it's not he's not who I imagine Steve Rogers to be initially. Mm. But now you can't deny that he is. As big as Robert Downey Jr. was to Iron Man, like Chris Evans brings that to Captain America in a ridiculous way. One hundred percent. It's like, yeah, I can't see anybody else as it. it that's just and no, they created it. something by having them be in all the different movies and show up again and again. Mm-hmm. They created characters that are irreplaceable. Like yeah. you can't. Same. I mean, Thor. Like Chris Hemsworth. Like these right. guys. Like they're. That's who they are now. Like. And they do other movies, and they can go and do other things, uh, but ultimately, that's what they're known for, for better or for worse. Um, but the the good thing is that when they make great Marvel movies, they're you know praised, and it's like they're doing actually really good work. And it's not just not just a superhero movie; it's like a great film, and we've gotten that from pretty much all of them. Well, 
you said it, you were right on the head. Like this movie is all character development. Like mm-hmm. this is all us getting to know and learn about Steve Rogers. Like we don't know him from a hole in the wall at this point. Like think about how at two, in the year 2011, so you're 10 years after 9-11, you know, and we are, you know, kind of, we are graduating from college. There was a huge recession, um, you know, and it, we're, you know, trying to decide if we're going to continue on with Obama. Like it was kind of a, an interesting time. Yeah. And I think this movie kind of, you know, reinvigorated a kind of in patriotism in some ways to kind of think about this kind of optimism. And this is something I think a lot about with the MCU that I, when I look back on it, it kind of makes me feel nostalgic for is I would say every movie up until maybe Iron Man three has this very Obama era feel oh, yeah. of like anything is possible. Like we can do this. Like don't worry about what you know about the science right now. Like this is good. This is fine. This is happening. Mm-hmm. Oh, that's, that's a great point. Once you hit, once, you know, Edward Snowden comes out and they kind of shift with Winter Soldier, it takes on this more um, cynical and I think uh, realistic and kind of uh, jaded approach to say like, okay, like, well, not everything is so neat and tidy. And it it feels, I don't know, it just, feel, it just feels different. And, and I think that when you watch the movies in sequence, I'm excited to keep watching them. Like it just like this movie. Like I remember being like, "Oh my god, this was such a fun time!" Like think of all the hip hop music at that time. Like it was so excited and and like fun, and we were going crazy. Like it was such a great like the dance music we had. It was so optimistic and and nutty and like silly. <laughs> and like now, like it's it's just so different from where it is now. And and I don't know. I like I'm I'm ha- I'm still happy with this movie, and I think. Uh, Chris Evans is a huge part of that and yeah he's so cool about it and uh, even though he's retired or he thinks he's retired um, you know <laughs> this is his work here is 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 really excellent right yeah and it's like if it's in work here I mean it's, I think the Avengers maybe is the one that uh, it really needed to work for everybody um, well yeah he had to be the straight man like he needed to balance the comedy like he's he's being set up here to do that later yeah yeah, yeah. And, you know, and then, and then they needs- hit the ball out of the park with Winter Soldier, and it's, he's cemented his his legacy. No, e- even if like nothing else happened after that, like that that movie is just so so well revered. Um, so uh, okay, so I guess let's talk a little bit about the movie. Like I think that the, the development of of the character like is is clear from the get go when he's little little Steve and he wants to be a part of the fight and. Um, I just love all that stuff in the beginning with with Stanley Tucci, and as Abraham. Oh, Tucci, yes. Like he's he was a great pick there too. Um, he's great. You know, he looks like he's having a great time. Yeah, and that really he does really sell it in that way because you need him to be endearing and kind of sweet in order to not look scary and kind of creepy and like what's going on here, man. <laughs> and he, you know, he just he plays this perfectly and. Um, you know, Stanley Tucci, I think, is really good at going b- back from being very serious to very funny very quickly. And <laughs> like when he walks in and the MP kind of lets him in, you're like, oh shit, like he's in trouble. But he's like, no, 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 like 
where are you from? Paramus? Like that, I always think of that delivery. That's <laughs> so good. Uh, oh, no. well, what am I thinking? You have procedure tomorrow. I, I drink for you. <laughs> yeah, he's he's awesome, yeah. and he really uh, he 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 nails this character, and uh, he's such a fun um, advocate for Steve. He believes in Steve. He's the whole reason Steve is here. Like, there's no yep, there is no Steve Rogers without this other yeah, guy. There's no Captain America. Um, and and then it's like it's so sad, right? That they have yeah. this insight and like the Uncle Ben moment or the whomever the, the Bruce's parents getting killed. Like there's this moment that really sets him off, and he has to go respond to this and it from an instant loss. Like this this guy that he thinks he's gonna have as a, a, a mentor and guidance throughout. It's like nope, that's gone. You've gotta you've gotta figure this out on your own. Yeah, the, the the honeymoon's over, dude. Like, yes, like you have superpowers. Go figure it out. I'm I'm not here to help you. I, I think um, that's a really fun chase sequence too. Like, you know, it is. It's it's done really. It listen. Uh, we haven't talked about it yet, but Joan Johnson is the director of this movie, mm-hmm. and I think his like thumbprint is so big on this movie. It's so huge. It's awesome. If you don't know, Joe Johnson was the assistant director on all the Indiana Jones films with uh, George Lucas and Steven Spielberg. Uh, he was super involved in Star Wars, uh, doing with other technical like the, work. Yeah, the set design, uh, or like the mo- um, was he part of ILM? Yeah, yeah definitely. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And then his, uh, you know, he went on to direct Jurassic Park three, unfortunately, which is we nobody blames him, but uh, he did one of my favorite movies of all time called The Rocketeer, and this movie borrows a lot of the same stylistic stuff from that movie and stuff that he had learned and incorporated from. Uh, Indiana Jones, what I think you get from this movie are those low angle Spielberg shots. And that's like so huge. And that mm. chase sequence. And that makes it feel so fun and rushed and, um, exhilarating, you know, like you've seen those old cars in the old, you know, movies like going around the corner or whatever. It's, to- it's done in such a different and more fun way. And you, you know what? Has that's great action. It's such a great point. I mean, like this movie does have a, a big Spielberg vibe. Like, Huge Spielberg vibe. It's. I always think about um, the Last Crusade when I watch this movie. Like, yes, it's got a lot of that. Yes, definitely. And, and so that's it, it, not that surprising then to see you know that that connection is like he was there, <laughs> he was doing it, he was making that. So it's like okay, I'm gonna do this here. Um, cool. Yeah, it's yeah. it's good. Uh, chase sequence is great. Uh, I love you know even like Spider Man in those movies. Like oh, you they, they get their powers for the first time. I just love like he's like running so fast that he like falls into the store. <laughs> like, I felt bad for his feet. Why is he running barefoot? That's ridiculous. Uh, some shoesies. He's got like super healing. It's fine. Like okay, whatever. The, but like he's gonna get he's gonna get flat feet. He's gonna get plantar fasciitis. Don't get it. <laughs> um. Anyway. I, the iconic moment with him oh. on the, you know, taking the the door off with the star on it is is excellent, and um, you know, I also love when the little kid gets thrown in the water. Yeah. And he's like, "You need help?" He's like, "No, I could swim. Go get that guy." Yeah, I think that would, that was great. Yeah, it's a good beat. Um, I, um, I, and I think we'd be remiss. If, I mean, we kind of skip past it, but the iconic shot now of of the doors of the uh, the chamber that Steve is in. Uh, opening up oh sure yes epic body like that's just that's so iconic now and it's it's like whoo man that was a little kid (laughs) and now he's he's a man he definitely is and you know the physique for this i think definitely set you know similar to hemsworth like the the standards for 
the superhero bods, I think, really took a, a, a turn with the MCU. You know, that, you know, beforehand, you know, maybe you were Batman and you're Christian Bale and, like, yeah, he's a method actor. He's crazy. Don't even worry about him. Just, but, like, just, after after that and you started to get these guys, like, the bods took on a new level. Like, th- remember Chris Pratt, like, when he got ripped and yeah. then Kumail, when he got ripped? Dude. Like, it, 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 it's been... Well, really, I, mean, I think these you know, guys, Hugh Jackman too. Like this, he's been doing. But that Hugh all Jackman along. got more and more ripped over time, and nobody understood that even when they traveled back in time. <laughs> so, <laughs> like that. Great point. Whatever. Uh, you know what I also like about um, you know the the vibe of this movie is that it, it's very light on its feet. Like, it doesn't have, like, it's not spending time on things like you don't understand, you know what I mean? And and it has really fun comedic bits to kind of move you from scene to scene because this movie is a lot of, it's, it's, it's also very much like a ride. It feels like we're going from place to place. <laughs> it does, yeah. Um, you know, they pick him, he goes to the trading facility, he gets his powers, they've got a, you know, now they've got, and then it's the, uh, the USO stuff, like poor, poor right. Steve. You know what? Like I, I, this one thing that I called out. So when he's like, um, after he does the tour in the US and he's already like been with all, all the different towns and now they, they're in, I, I, are they in Italy or wherever the base is or in the UK, uh, in Europe? And he goes out there and he gets booed and, and mooned and, for some reason, people always have tomatoes where like, that's just a thing. They uh, always have tomatoes. Um, and then he's drawing like this, this dancing monkey. And I'm like, I wish they kind of explored the side bit of Steve Rogers as the artist. Cause it's like, that's not bad. Like maybe yeah, that would have been kind of cool. Actually. <laughs> it's like where he's drawing and making his own stuff. That would have, that's actually kind of a cool idea. Yeah. That, like that would be yeah. like one thing he can bring forward in time, but, uh, they dropped that. Um, yeah, he, he lost that ability when he went into the ice. Mm-hmm. Poor guy. <laughs> Poor guy. Uh, and so then from there, it's like the the big moment that we, I guess, the is it act two, act one? I don't know. This weird, yeah, there's, it's not divided as, as clearly as some of the other movies. But whenever he, when he goes to rescue uh, Bucky and the Howling Commandos and the rest of the, oh, Hundred and seventh. I'm maybe I'm wrong. I don't Good know. Good job. Um, like that's a it's an awesome sequence, and he's like totally badass throughout it. Um, it's like we finally feel him as Captain America. He finally gets the credit that that he deserves after being this dancing monkey for for most of the movie so far, um, and encountering the villain, and he gets his mustache twirling moment. Right. <laughs> yes. It's uh that sequence is great. Um you know, it's got kind of a Cyberdyne vibe to it. It felt very Terminator sir like uh X-Men to me a little bit. Mm. Like these guys are all in cages. Let them out and run around in this crazy place. Mm-hmm. Um the lasers. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> I don't I'm going to get the lasers. Okay. But okay. The lasers. Let's take a hot second on the lasers. If if they're powered by the Tesseract, did they know at the time that the Tesseract was the Space Stone? I don't know. I think they did. 
because of I the... think that they did too. But did they zap? Are are you asking? Are these guys zapped out into the universe someplace instead of being dead? Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I think so too. <laughs> I think about that. Those poor guys are just floating out in space, or some of them land on a planet, and they're just like, "What the fuck?" Well, um, I think that whatever the power of the Tesseract was that they like unlocked to power all this stuff, like it's pretty rudimentary technology. So like whatever they were using it for, you know, I could also understand if it was just like they zapped them and they're just departicalized, you know? Um, okay. But yeah, we can, we can dream. That's a cool idea. And it, you know, I, do you want to talk about the Tesseract now? Sure. I mean, it's a big part of the movie. It's hard to ignore it. Um, it's so big, this brings big, up our new segment. Did it, did it, did it, did it, did it. The Infinity Stone Watch. Yeah. Uh, and it, this one is the, uh, you know, definitely the Infinity Stone that looms largest in, you know, phases one and two. And that is the Tesseract. Yes. Um, the Space Stone. It pops um, up a lot. Is, <laughs> it really, it's huge. It's a, It's like... It's definitely the most popular, right? Like, and it, I think the most the reason it's most popular is because it is so uh, well designed. I think it looks super cool. Um, I love the way it interacts with the world. Like, sometimes you can pick it up. Some people can't pick it up. Mm-hmm. It burns through things. You keep it in special boxes. Uh, yeah, I, I think I, it also think it, pops up a lot because it's on Earth a lot, and so that's, true. that's why we see it all the time. Um, obviously, like it's importance throughout the the rest of the, the infinity saga is very huge, but you know, it's here. I think it's referenced at the very least in Thor uh, and Avengers. And yeah, so it's, it's all over the place. Um, but yeah, I mean the fact that he finds it, uh, uh, Red Skull finds it and then starts using it for, to make these weapons. Um, but yeah, like the, the rules are a little fuzzy, but it it'll become even more important later. And you know, I get excited to talk about the Avengers, but we'll get there. <laughs> dee, 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 dee. Um, okay, so let's talk about. So I, I was talking about we get these really fun comedic bits in between, you know, action sequences and montages, and the two the two characters that get to really do this the best, I think, are Tommy Lee Jones and Haley Atwell. Hmm. We're going to talk about Haley Atwell, I think, second, because she looms larger in the MCU. We're going to talk about Tommy Lee Jones first, because he's only really in just in this movie. Um, I always Tommy I, Lee Jones I used to forget is such that. a... Go ahead. Sorry. No, go ahead. What were you going to say? I was just going to say, like, before I started, like, really adding this movie to, like, my back catalog, I would forget that he was in it. And it's like, now, it's like, oh, yeah, he's he's here. Men in Black. <laughs> uh, that's Yeah. Uh, yeah. Um, but... Yeah, go ahead. He's I think he's awesome in this movie and I think he so doesn't give a shit and that plays kind of good for a somebody running this kind of department. And and I think it's really great casting and the, the lines that he does give are funny and very memorable. I'm not kissing you. That's great. Yeah. <laughs> and you know, to have a good Tommy Lee Jones MCU movie shows you from the very early on they were able to get some good gets. You know, and yeah. kind of say like, all right, like we're going to throw Stellan Skarsgård up here. We're going to throw Natalie Portman at you. We're going to throw, um, you know, Anthony Hopkins. And you know what? You're also going to get fucking uh, Tommy Lee Jones is going to be this general character and Captain America. And we're all like, do we like that? And we're like, yeah, we do. We love it. Well, and I think um, it's also like, hey, man, the commitment's not big. You do this one picture, you're done. 
that's it. Yeah, I think that's great. Yeah. I think he loved that too. He's like, I don't have to keep coming back. Nope, you're one and done, baby boy. Don't worry. Um, uh, so yeah, Tommy Lee Jones, I think is super fun in this, in this movie. I'm glad that he's a part of the MCU. Uh, I think it would be interesting to see him, you know, pop up again. I don't think he does. So yeah. sorry about that. Yep. Uh, and, um, let's talk about, uh, really the, the leading lady of the MCU in, in terms of, uh, you know, well, I, I, le- I guess yeah. that's a, one yeah. of the leading ladies. But yeah, no, the she's the beginning, and it's kind of like it all ends with her too. Um, she's very, very important to the MCU, but isn't there that much, right? Um, but Haley Atwell as Peggy Carter, she got her own show. She did <laughs> pre uh, pre Disney Plus two seasons. It's available on Disney Plus if you want to watch it. Um, yeah, <laughs> it's uh, but it, she's also like it's it shows the beginning of. You know, the, the take no shit attitude um, like she this is 1943, 44, 45 uh, being a woman in in the United States and in the world at the time, how difficult it was. But she's, you know, trying to raise that ceiling and, uh, you know, Basically, they, they had that one shot uh, that they did. I forget which Blu-ray it's on, but uh, the Agent Carter one, that's basically the, the premise or the point of concept for her show and continuing to do that work and, and basically start the SSR and or take the SSR and make it into S.H.I.E.L.D. of what we know it, uh, in the modern day. And she was crucial to that. She really does kind of set the whole thing up. Um, she's Cap's love interest uh, and... You know, I, I think she's beautiful. I, I also think that she does, you know, kind of really fun acting stuff. She gets to be vulnerable. She gets to be tough. She gets action sequences. She's a really kind of all well-rounded actor she's for a, the She's an MCU. amazing shot. She, like, shoots that guy in the car, like, really, really far away. That's really awesome. Um, yeah. She's she's a badass. Very lucky. Yeah. And... It's interesting to me that like we think about her like at this age all the time, but really she's only this age in this movie, and then for the rest of the time we're dealing with her, she's <laughs> either very old or dead, <laughs> you know. And it's right, like, she's still so huge, you know. Um, but but that's why it made such a big deal in Endgame, and like if you've been with us on this journey, you've probably seen that movie by now, and. Just like the way that everything wraps up for their their storyline that starts here, you know, it, that's why we love it so much. They fin- definitely they and, finally and got that. You're dance. starting with you know such a good strong foundation. We're really um, lucky with that. Something that I I kind of wanted more of um, was this version of young Howard Stark. It's um, played by who is the guy? Dominic Cooper. He's great. I yeah. like this guy. He reminds me a lot of Tony. Oh yeah. Oh you yeah. Know? And you're like, oh shit, like that's where Tony kind of gets it. He was this kind of crazy guy. I, I know. But- and you know, we when we were like super excited to have John Slattery back in uh in Civil War and in, in Endgame a bit, he's also fantastic. But like having these two sides to this character is really cool. He also popped up a bit on Agent Carter. Um so, mm. so you get more of him there, but you know, it's, it's, it's always like you, it always leaves you wanting more. Um, and if, 
if the MCU wasn't as plotted out as it was, like maybe they could have had another period Captain America movie instead of throwing him on ice for for 70 years or whatever. But, you know, that that wasn't going to happen. They needed him in the modern era. So we, we had to leave all these characters behind. Bye. Um, okay, now somebody who did not love this experience and did not return and is not thrilled <laughs> is one Hugo Weaving. Now, Hugo Weaving is a great actor, and he's done some really great movies, right? He's done, he's Agent Smith in The Matrix. That's probably his most notable one. That's his face. Then you also may know him as uh, Elrond in The Lord of the Rings mm-hmm. and Hobbit trilogies. Mm-hmm. Uh, you also may know him in <laughs> Cloud Atlas, um, and you also may know him, but not see him in V for Vendetta. Right. Um, he comes into this movie, and he has to wear all this horrible makeup, and he hates it. He hates wearing the makeup, and he did not have a good time making this movie, and he was not happy with how he was portrayed in this movie. He wasn't happy with his performance. He wasn't happy with how the movie came out. And he was like not, he just, he did not return. He did not come back. People thought for a long time maybe Red Skull would be returning. Um, when he did, he was voiced and uh, a total CG character at that point by somebody else. <laughs> so yep. Um, I think it's interesting that Marvel really, first of all, did great casting and has some great visuals for one of their more striking and top tier villains for phase one. If you think about phase one, it's not very many top tier villains. I would like with the exception of Loki, Loki. like, uh, you know, really, you know, red skull is the Joker to Captain America's Batman. Like yeah. that's the number one villain. Whereas we didn't see the Mandarin and Iron Man one and two, Thor, we're dealing with, you know, the Frost Giants, and that that's Thor, right? He's got different villains and stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, this is like, this is, th- it. this is your big guy. Yeah. And he would have been <laughs> yeah, the guy I that, it would have been cool to have him again, you know, but I feel like maybe they pivoted away from Red Skull. Like, obviously, for one reason, they, they warped him away. But they also were like, well, if Hugo Weaving doesn't want to come back, like that sort of makes things complicated. But like it would have been kind of cool if, you know, in a, an alternate universe, we had a Red Skull back in the modern era and, and wreaking havoc for Captain America in some other phase two or phase three movie. But I, I would have been down to see more, you know, uh-huh. and I also think it would have been useful to have more shots of. Hugo weaving, doing stuff that was, you know, setting up other things to come. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Like be able to cut back to him and see like, oh, well, he, this is what he was doing over here, you know, or this is what he was doing over there. And, um, you know, constantly referencing kind of like his great works and stuff. He also doesn't loom large as like the head of Hydra. Like it, it's kind of interesting to me that, you know, while he is the fa- like the like the head of that department, it doesn't feel like they look at him as like the head founding person. No, you know, kind of the way that they revere, like Nazis revere Hitler. Mm-hmm. No, no, you no, know, no. they and say cut off its head, two more replace him. You know, exactly, and, and that's what's so interesting because he makes such a big splash here, but he like he wipes out all the guys that like come to visit him <laughs> to see all of his new yeah. tech. Like, uh, and it's very clear that as soon as he's gone, they come back. It didn't matter that he he 
just warped away and his he's not a threat anymore like it, right. it, it's interesting i i agree i i think it, he did he did good work in this movie and he was threatening and i feel like i i enjoy his performance um and but i, I can also see how it might be weird to wear like a mask of your own face <laughs> like yeah that had to be a little rough but you know ultimately i think the makeup is pretty cool um, and it's great that before, it's pr- practical, right? Yeah. It's it's nice to see something practical in the MCU. That's not so... There aren't even really that many aliens that are practical in the MCU. You no. know, like, it only it took till Guardians, you know, of the Galaxy for them to be like, oh, okay, we'll make practical shit again. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. I, I, I like the I like the look of Red Skull, too. I think that that, that definitely works. Um, all right, so... We've talked about Hugo Weaving. Let's talk about the main glue for why we're doing this whole thing and um, take you guys off to a nice slumber and an easy week. Uh, Sebastian Stan, young, young Sebastian Stan. Um, Baby. <laughs> he's he's great, you know. Um, he's, he's very fun in this movie. I think he definitely plays the range of Bucky to have kind of multiple – you know, sides. I think that that's something that you lose as you get more in the Winter Soldier, Bucky. But you know that he's got like a funny side. He's got a tough side. He's got a girl side. He's got a yeah. You know, he's he's not just this one-dimensional robot guy. And I think you know they were definitely bringing a lot to this character to ground Steve because Steve doesn't have this family that looms large in the story. Right, no, it's clear. Like from the get go, they they say both of his parents die, and that Bucky is just like big brother figure that he has and uh, protects him. But also, like you can see that in a lot of ways, uh, Bucky looks to Steve, right? And that's especially in the show that we're we're seeing now. Like even before he was a super powered man, like he a lot of his character were, were things that that uh, Bucky would look to and. Uh, yeah, I think it's always, it's interesting. Like once we see Bucky in action again, um, I guess after the rescue, it's like, he's just kind of a normal guy with gun. All right. <laughs> like the rest of the Howling Commandos kind of all have their little niche thing. Like this guy is a tech guy. This one, like, likes bombs. This one likes, you know, new weapons. This guy's a tank driver. And it's like, no, Bucky just like to shoot. <laughs> <laughs> so uh it's right it, it's sad when when he falls like uh again it's like if he already lost his parents and if he already lost the doctor and we all ultimately know he's going to be a man out of time it's like really you need to lose his best friend too um but yeah but that you know even back then you know when it, you know watching that and you're like oh shit you know that's it was so interesting to me that you know that even the title for Captain America 2 was the Winter Soldier you know like we're not even mm-hmm. we're going right there <laughs> like you well, know we're picking right back up with this these guys just in modern day mm-hmm. and it's interesting though because like the Winter Soldier comics were like were pretty recent at the time like i think they only came out in like 2007 2008 so it's not like this like long history of Bucky Barnes being the winter soldier, but like, if you knew, you knew, and it's like, okay, they're, if you're paying enough attention, you probably could, can guess that they're going to set him up for something. And yeah, by the time that the sequel comes out, they're not even hiding it. <laughs> um, 
And, and the other thing that I always like wonder, so like when he's captured the first time, uh, he's Is like, he experimented on, does he have powers? Mm, uh, I don't think so. I think he's experimented on. I don't think he has powers. I think he, um, I, cause like I, I was, I want to listen to it a little bit closer. Like when Steve first gets to him, like, what is he saying? Cause he's like not making a lot of sense. It'd be really cool if they planted the seeds of like the, the brainwashing stuff there. Like if he's speaking in like Russian, but probably not because they're <laughs> German, right? <laughs> right. They are German in this part. Yeah. Um, no, it's, uh, I think that that's always fun, right? You know, that's definitely part of the lore, like what, what happened there and why, uh, but you know, Bucky's just, you know, he's a very, you know, sad guy. Like he's, he got captured before he was experimented on once and then it's going to happen again, <laughs> you know? Mm-hmm. And, uh, they are really going to do a number on him this time. And, you know, I think he's definitely like, they just, they're very lucky. such great casting, you know, that this guy maintained that he, you know, didn't have any crazy, you know, problems or scandals or accidents. Like he just kind of kept his head down and got to do these really fun parts and great action. And, and now he's killing it in this new show and, mm-hmm. you know, really delves with, we were talking about this week that, you know, as much as Falcon side is talking about racism, you can kind of see how, you know, they're talking about our veterans with uh, Bucky and, and how we pro, you know, in a lot with John Walker too, that, you know, we make these guys, Killing machines, and then mm-hmm. we just expect them to come home and be regular guys. <laughs> yeah, it's like this is not normal. Like you, you expect them to be normal after that. Like, come on. Um, yeah, yeah, and, and and it's I remember at the time like they were like, yeah, Sebastian Stan signed like a nine picture deal. It's like what? <laughs> like, right. He doesn't even seem right. that important right now. Like, but no, he's like he's been here all the time. We get a lot of Bucky. Um, get you get a lot of bucky you get you get you get your money's worth mm-hmm. um so, so another new recurring segment we're going to be introducing is the fury files Woo! uh keeping track of our favorite cycloptic trench-coated kick-ass badass motherfucker um you know nick fury samuel l jackson's it's iconic yeah icon <laughs> Yeah, um, so much so that they changed the comic book version of uh, of Nick Fury to look like him. Uh, not yeah. only look like him, but be be black too. Like that was yeah. not original. Um, it's he's just so good, and uh, it, you know, I, I'm if there was a there was a while where like he was not as present, um, but I feel like we're back in the Fury Renaissance, and he's going to be important again. Well, I think he. I think he knows the value of his character to like be able to come and go. Nick Fury is also a character that can live and die, you know, which is kind of cool. So it, good on him for like being able to come and go to it as he gets bored with it. But like, I'm sure the money he gets from this is like obscene, obscene, <laughs> crazy money, <laughs> like ridiculous, fuck you, crazy money that they just throw at him. Um, this I think is also one of the better Fury scenes pre, um, you know, uh, one of the better, uh, you know, before Winter Soldier scenes, I guess, where you have Fury show up, um, to explain to Cap what's going on in Times Square, mm-hmm. and then the, you know, the post end credit scene where you have him, which is actually a cut from it's the cut Avengers, from the Avengers, yeah, yeah, you know, of Steve training. Um, what do you think about them? Which which one do you prefer? Uh. 
I I think um I think I like the Times Square scene better. Um I think there's just so much more to it, like, you know, knowing what Steve just went through and um and like the I I, I had a date line. Um but yeah, the other one is great. But again, it's I, I think of it as more of like a promo for the Avengers and uh necessarily that that was weird. Like I think from the here on out, they fixed the, the, the post credit scenes to be like real, like actual footage <laughs> that didn't exist anywhere else. Um, but this one was like, we need to make sure everyone goes sees this movie. <laughs> uh, but this has to work or this isn't going to work. <laughs> yeah. yeah, yeah. Um, um, and obviously yeah, this so- isn't the first time we saw Nick Fury. He'd been popping up in a bunch of the other films up until this point. So, uh, but, and then he has a huge presence in, in the Avengers film. Uh, so yeah, um, real quick, go back to, uh, the main plot just, uh, to wrap things up. We, we capture Zola, the doctor guy, uh, on that train ride and we have a, a, a nice sequence between clip, yeah. with him and, uh, Tommy Lee Jones's character. And, uh, it, it you know, it's interesting because he's another one that you don't expect to be set up for, for more, <laughs> <laughs> you're right um, you're definitely right and no, i don't think any of us could have seen what was going to come next with zola no um it, it's cool enough like if you know enough to like get the screen zola when he first appears um in the lab yeah to know that he largely he's been a screen character mm-hmm. <laughs> um but yeah it, he's I, I like the guy who plays zola in these movies mm-hmm um, and then, you know, basically from here on out, we go to the, the main final fight. Uh, Steve has, has to go to the, the big old plane, the predecessor to the, the Valkyrie, the, 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 the Quin, uh, Quinjet kind of thing, not Quinjet. What would it be? The, whatever the aircraft carrier thing is that the Avengers have the helicarrier and they have this big fight and, you know, he has to stop all these bombs from flying off to different cities, yada, yada, yada. And like, yeah, it sucks. Like, I like I like the sequence where like Red Skull grabs the Tesseract and like he's because like his his ego is there. He's like, it's mine. I can do this. And then it's like, nope, <laughs> bye, dude. Um, you know, I've seen this sequence probably the most of this movie. I find I like I find this movie a lot on cable at this part of the movie. Okay, where, where they just are getting onto the plane, hmm. and like there's still like maybe. 25 minutes left in the movie when they do that. Um, but so, you know, some of that takes place after. So when you break it down, I think the cool parts of the sequence is like the plane sequence where you're the plane bomb where the guy comes out of the airlock and Cap is on top of the plane thing and he flies it back into the, the, the larger plane. Yeah. I think that's very exciting. Um, I, le- I think that they... Um, where they lose me a little bit, I think, is the hokiness of like Cap's lines and retorts back to mm-hmm. Red Skull, um, where he's like, "Not my future," and like some of those things that are a little, a little lame and hokey. Yeah. But ultimately, like, it's a pretty, it's a pretty interesting thing. You, you, you said it correctly that uh, Red Skull, like, the Tesseract, like chooses him because of his actions and is like no 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 more of this bullshit my friend <laughs> like yeah. you you got to go yeah y- you done fucked up 
Um, what's yeah. Yeah. And I think they play with the gravity in a cool way. Um, yes. In, in this it's, fight it's sequence. The, the three, the, the, yes. But like, ultimately I think if you think about kind of the, the super soldier versus super soldier thing, it's like, it doesn't really feel all that different, you know, like, they're 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 both so super powered that it's like okay they needed to do something. You know, know what one thing that we really haven't talked about like the origin of the shield like that came out in this movie like um, ah iconic it's iconic uh, I and I think it's a great sequence when when he goes and he he's looking at all the options that uh, Howard Stark Stark has for him and, and then uh, Peggy Carter just shoots the shield <laughs> it's like. Right. Okay. Well, she's pissed because he was making out with that other chick. Um, <laughs> yeah. yeah, it's a hmm, Captain America's shield to the MCU. Well, I guess we didn't know. You know, all I, all I guess we knew is that the design for it, I think, is really great. Right. Mm-hmm. I think that the the brushed metal look of it, um, the fact that it feels real. Mm-hmm. You know when it's still stainless before they paint it. Yeah, and then when it and then anytime you see it after it's painted, it's always got bullet marks and scuffs on it, and mm-hmm. it's always a little bit dinged up. Um, yeah, it always it, it felt it felt very real, and, even though it could never be. And one thing I feel like we take for granted now, watching and looking back on it, is like the physics of it all. And how, you know, this, I think the idea, I mean, I don't know how, there was a lot of it from the comic books, of course, but the way that Joe Johnson translated that to screen, you know, the way that he throws it and it bounces off of things and the way he uses it in the environment, and it's not just a shield and it's a weapon and it, it could, it's a projectile and it could do so many more things that like from this movie and here on out, and then we even see other characters doing, using it and, and even in the show now, it's, it's pretty cool, um, that they started that here. Uh, obviously it's, it's so iconic now. And even in the comic books, you see him with the shield. It's like, that's, that's Captain America. He needs that shield. Yeah. It's, I guess we didn't, we couldn't have known back then, but I think it's so much, it plays out so differently when you see it again, show up in Avengers. And then later on, yeah, we didn't, you know, the MCU weapons, the, the arc reactor, the the Mjolnir, Cap's shield, um, you know, we didn't really, I guess, consider them to be the kind of characters that they would become, you know, mm-hmm. to have their own screen time and their own respect that's due. Like, this whole show is about the shield. The whole Falcon show is about just the shield. <laughs> yep. <laughs> You're right. And, and like... <laughs> Uh, there was no way we could have known <laughs> like in this movie yeah. that there would be a whole TV show about what's going to happen to the shield. No, nope. no way. No nope. great way. Great point, Frank. Good, good way to wrap it up. Buddy. Yeah. Um, yeah. And I, I, I like this movie a lot. Um, I think uh, just like one little closing note on the infinity stone watch, we see them pick it up in the, the ocean. And so we know that right. shield, shield has it. And that's why we see it later in the Avengers. Well, they're so good at doing that in mm-hmm. these movies because they all know where the story is going, right? Like, mm-hmm. it's one thing for them to do that in Amazing Spider-Man too. It's another thing for them to do that here, right? But it's also really you funny know, now in hindsight when when they change the and they retcon a little bit with with Captain Marvel. <laughs> they're like five totally. little ways to, to 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 take it out of time and put it back again. Uh, but yeah, so uh, Captain America, the first Avenger. 
again, I think the title oh, alone. And this movie, do you know why it's called Captain America: The First Avenger? No. Why? Because internationally, you could not release Captain America in Germany or in Japan or in, um, you know, Iran or Libya. Wow. As Captain America, so it ca- it was called the First Avenger. Interesting. So the reason that's the subtitle is to play to the international community, but to not be so upfront. I also feel like it started the the precedent of Marvel movies having subtitles. That's true. That's which, true. Which I'm all for. I think it's much yeah, more interesting than I like agree. <laughs> Iron Man two. Uh, so anyway. Um, this is a fun movie. Uh, can't wait to, to watch and, and discuss, uh, the next one, uh, the winter soldier. So just for everyone who's playing along at home, we're going to do winter soldier then civil war, because we've been itching to talk about civil war probably for five years. This all is partially the reason why the podcast exists. <laughs> um, yeah. so we want to get to that one sooner rather than later. We're also going to finish talking about Falcon and the winter soldier. We've got episode six coming out this week. Uh, and then after that, we're going to dive back in and probably start at the top with Iron Man. You said it best. Um, so, yeah, guys, uh, keep listening. Hoping you, you guys are enjoying it. If you are, please feel free to rate and review the podcast on any and all uh, you know podcast rating system, whether you're on Facebook, whether you're on iTunes, whether you're on Spotify. Let us know how we're doing. Um, you can find us on all the major podcast streaming app services, which is Apple, Spotify, Stitcher, Google, uh, you can visit our website, www.longlostheroes.net. You can email us at info at longlostheroes.net. You can find us on all the socials at LLH Podcast. I'm AJ. And I'm Frank. Take care, everybody. Have a good Thank you. Bye. Bye.